What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Carmine Davis, and you are listening to The Carmine Davis Show. I don't know why. I don't. You're listening to Carmine Davis Show. I don't know why I sung that. That has no purpose of anything. I'm just... Just random. I'm in a singing mood. I like to sing. I've been singing a lot lately. I am recording a lot and I'm releasing my next single. I'm releasing my next single on this bullshit. I don't... And I'm also crossed. I'm crossed. So that's something I should let y'all know ahead of time. Okay, so anyway, welcome to the Carmine Davis Show. This is the second episode until the season finale. Next episode is the season finale. And then I am on a month hiatus and I will be returning to you guys brand spanking new. Thank y'all for your support. It's about to be like a year of this show. I can't believe it. it just came and went. So much has happened in my life, but I feel like this has just been such a like an audio um, diary for me, whether people know it or not, a way of a creative outlet. Um, it's been so much fun doing it, uh, kind of even like revamping and relaunching and refocusing my career a little bit. And... Um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I've been like, I've been, I feel like I've been saying that every episode since the beginning, like the second episode, but I, every, every week I am just ecstatic. We charted again in Bolivia last week's episode charted again in Bolivia. So round of applause, baby, make that ass clap. Um, round of applause for that um and we did not chart in america so let's talk let me come and sit come in let me talk to you for a second i want to talk to you about something all right i know you're listening to this podcast and you are not subscribed okay we are like 50 episodes in the games need to stop all right we need to be are we going steady or not okay why not hit that follow that rate I mean, that follow, that subscribe button, rate this podcast. Let's make it official, okay? We need not be stalking my podcast anymore. Um, There's no need for that. Look, I know you love me. I love you too. Um, Show that love. Follow, um, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I don't do it for my health. I love y'all. I enjoy y'all. I I appreciate the views climbing, but let's just make that official. That is weird. You are coming back to back every week, peeking your head in, listening to the show all the way through. I know you. I know you are in um fucking on Campbellton Road in Atlanta. I know you are in um Birmingham, Alabama. I see you in Bolivia, and you're not subscribing or reviewing this podcast and that needs to change okay boy fuck your pride and just bring it on back bring it on back boy anyway okay so um what a week i had actually i had actually a great week 
I, but I still feel like it's a little retrograde-ish a little bit. Like everything that's been, could possibly go wrong up until the, like the last three or four days, like it has gone wrong. You know what I'm saying? But, um, I'm happy. Uh, nonetheless, I am very ecstatic about what's coming up. Um, I've been recording, um, this single for about as long as I have been producing this podcast. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, never going to love again is my next single up, um, coming off my album, our friendship is romantic. And I am still, it's, it's due the 19th, but I am still mixing it and I'm still going through and adding stuff to it, taking stuff away. It's probably as much as I put into this record, it's probably about to be the most simplest record that I've ever done or ever could record or even could think about recording because I'm sick of it. I'm sick of adding vocal harmonies. I'm sick of adding vocal layers, going back and re-recording it from the pussy, you know, that I'm like, all right, I need to record this part from the dick. You know, I need to, I need to go ahead and dig, 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 dig deep in the rectum and give them this. And then I need to come up here, up in here in a pussy, you know, I need to come up here. Like I need to, it's been too much. Okay. It's been too much. Um, all the vocals have been done by me. Um, I wrote, uh, recorded, r- arranged, um, co-produced this track. I'm very happy with it. I am ecstatic about it. And it's been the song. I've, I've, I've been battling back and forth what song I need to put out for the longest. And it's always been the song. Every time, every even from the beginning of, if you go back to the earlier episodes when I talk about the music that's coming down the pipeline, this song was the one that I wanted. I, I sent it to other people at first, and it's and they didn't get it at first. And then now everybody's just like, oh, shit, you need that song, or that song will be perfect, or blah, 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 and I agree. So Never Gonna Love Again, it comes out March the 19th. Um, recording a visual and all that for it. It's going to be fun. Um, my first music video in 10 years. I'm excited about it. I have no idea what that visual is going to look like. I'm not going to front, but you'll get it when you get it. All right. So anyway, you didn't come here to hear all about my humdrum day um, where you came for this hot topic. Our first segment is always the hot topic. Um, and this week, you know, uh, chat on Meghan Markle and um, Prince Harry interview was a mess. Uh, just in case you have been living under a rock for the last week, um, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry did their first interview post leaving, um, that, um, their life of royalty behind, which apparently was a nightmare and is a nightmare for everyone involved. Um, let, um, Meghan and, um, Prince Harry tell Led to the L.A. to live a modest, quote-unquote, life in Tyler Perry's um, mansion with Tyler Perry's security. And I'm not totally sure how Tyler Perry got involved. That is the big head-scratcher. I don't know what the fuck Tyler Medea had to do with saving. It was It's very Medea movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, Medea saves the royals. Um, Medea goes to London. Medea has tea with the queen. Uh, Medea saves Meghan Markle. Like, it's very. 
Like, I, I don't know why I'm a thousand percent sure that he met them full Mabel Simmons costume. You know, I, I, the security and all that. I don't know why when they said the story, I just see Medea in a wig and a gun. Um, I, I wish they would come in, you know, like, I, I you know, I, you know, I, you know, like, oh, I want to get, you know, the queen I got, you know, I want, I, I just see Medea. Um, and again, I don't understand why he got, um, in this mess. I don't understand. But anyway, so they fled here. Um, this is a small synopsis of what I could read and watch an interview. Um, they fled here. Um, they lived again modestly in a Tyler Perry million dollar mansion, um, with Tyler Perry security. Um, you know, he got a hundred, what is the name of that group? A hundred, hundred black men, or it's just like a security group. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure it was them. Um, what else? They fled because Megan, they she and is American girl. She couldn't handle the life of a royalty because it came with such scrutiny um, that was out of this world scrutiny, especially for a biracial woman. There was talks about concerns of her and Harry's baby being too dark. Um, the concerns about um, her as apparently being an aggressor towards. Um, Kate Upton becoming Kate, <laughs> Kate Middleton, which I never really liked. Meghan Markle was always my favorite. I tuned in more to the whole Meghan Markle thing. I had no idea that they were trying to paint her out to be this monster. I was on the other side of the news, like with black Twitter and all that, where we were kind of in awe of her. You know, we, we didn't know much about her from where I was standing. It was, it wasn't bad press. It was just like, Meghan Markle, she's biracial. It was more about her family and the mess that was going on with her family, which I don't know if she really addresses. In the, in, I'll tell you when I tuned out, okay? I tuned out when Prince Harry came and Oprah, who really won the interview. I don't remember much about the interview um, except for Oprah. I remember Oprah more than I remember anything Meghan or Harry said. Um, Megan, I mean, uh, Oprah had one mission, this interview, and that was to go viral. And she did, and she did it very well. Um, this was very, um, Oprah interview 2021. I loved it. I loved all the moments. Are, were, are you, were you silent or were you silenced? Okay. You know, the eyebrow raise the, okay. You can't see, but. Okay. You know, like she did that, like, you feel me? Like she knew she ate that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Oprah knew she did the fuck out of that. Like, were you silenced? Oh, like you silenced. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what it gave me. So I appreciated that moment. Um, I tuned out when Harry tried to act like he was oblivious to everything, which I could totally see how he was oblivious. He was a rich boy who had no idea. He got into some good um, biracial pussy, some good um, Markle cat. And she uh, pussy-matized him into leaving everything behind. And what really 
I loved about it because Megan, it was real because Megan understood that any amount of things that they could give to them in the UK, they could get so much more with no strings attached in LA where she was from. She's an actress. She is, um, and she's a celebrity here in LA and apparently they treated her like shit in the UK. So I believe where you go, where you are um, admired, not where you're tolerated. And I believe that's what Megan was trying to do. I think she knew that no matter what, her and Harry would be fine. Um, They would never want for anything and they won't have to deal with such um, um, unfair scrutiny in the U.S. Despite apparently being completely cut off from um, the royals. Uh, They don't have any security. They don't have any money, anything like that. Like, they don't have anything. They are done. They're out. Um, They wouldn't uh, give them a dime if they had a dollar. You know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't give them shit. And that's just how it is from here on out until he dies, until their baby dies. And apparently they didn't want to give Archie, um, Harry, and Megan's baby any security. Even though Harry has security, they were like, "Uh, nah, for unreasons we cannot disclose. Your little mixed baby is on its own. You know, maybe you go call Tyler Perry and maybe that's how that happened. You know, and then they're like, what would Medea do? And, you know, and that's what happened. But anyway, so from all of all that interview, it's been, it's not even just the interview. Everything that's happened post that has been a mess. Okay. Um, the Royals, of course, clapped back basically with some real um, Slim Shady uh, response, basically, um, slim shady meaning it was really quick and very shady. Uh, long story short, without going into details and reading off the bullshit, it was like, girl, I mean, she said it's like that. I know it was like that, but since it's like that, it's up and it's stuck. Good luck. You can't come back here, basically. And if you know, if you read it, that's basically what it said. And, um, you know, I... T- you know, it's not, if she feel that way, um, okay, cool. You know, don't come back on the side of the pond. And that's that. So, um, after that, there's been a, just a, a, a mess, um, with this whole stuff that's happening over here in the States. People have been kind of divided. Pierce Morgan and her drama, um, Sharon Osborne kind of gets emotional in a debate on the talk after defending Pierce Morgan, which is kind of the hot topic of this week because that's kind of played. You know, we, if you don't know what's going on with you, that was it basically. And the fact that Prince Harry tried to act like he had no idea of anything that was going on, you know, that was another thing. But the Pierce Morgan thing was notable for me because I always disliked Pierce Morgan. I had no idea that everyone did not know that he was a woman-hating um, bullshitter. But, you know, what shocked me was Sharon Osborne Jump into his defense. Okay, this lo- hot topic is coming from lovebscott.com. Of course, shout out to lovebscott.com. Sharon Osborne was involved in a heated discussion on her talk show, the talk over her defense of Pierce Morgan. 
Um, Sharon Osbourne got into an emotional debate with her t- the talk co-hosts Wednesday, defending her friend Pierce Morgan and herself after he accused Meghan Markle of exaggerating claims of racism in the British royal family. Uh-oh. Child. Um, okay. I am with you, she tweeted to Pierce Morgan. I stand by you. People forget that you're paid for your opinion and that you're just speaking the, your truth. Sharon Osbourne tweeted to Pierce Morgan, March the 9th, 2021. Um, did I like everything Morgan said? Did I agree with what he said? No, because it is his opinion. It's not my opinion. But why is it that? Because I supported a longtime friend and work colleague of mine for years that everyone goes, if you support him, then you must be a racist because he's racist. She said, oh, girl, because that's how they go. Um, the tense and tearful exchange between Osborne and her co-hosts came after she tweeted Tuesday that she stands by Morgan who left Good Morning Britain amid criticism that he had attacked Markle in the wake of her interview with Oprah Winfrey Sunday. Morgan accused Markle of exaggerating claims of racism in the royal family and said he didn't believe that she'd been discouraged from seeking mental health treatment while she was suicidal. Um... The talk co-host and author Elaine Marie Weltorith said she understood why some people had lashed out at Osborne after the social media post. In the moment, we need people to stand up for anti-racism. Weltorith said, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, so y'all know I'll butcher her name. Come on, get over it. Um, when we give passes or give space to people who are saying damaging, harmful things, what we're kind of doing is permitting it and i think that's what people are reacting to osborne responded i feel like i'm about to be put in an electric chair because i have a friend who many people think is a racist so that makes me a racist she then challenged the other host to tell her what he's uttered that's racist cheryl underwood responded that the implication of morgan dismissing markle was racist rather than the words themselves why can't it be he just doesn't like her why does it have to be racist osborne said oh child um child birds of a feather okay so boom the reason why this part took up took out to me the most is because I consider myself a very loyal friend, but I do believe that, especially when it comes to work, um, become um, comes to uh, situations like politics, um, opinions, public opinions, all that, we kind of stand alone, and that's how it should be. Unless your friend is truly on the other side of a um, incident like this, um, I. I if my friend was coming out to speak his truth regarding his his bouts of racism, um, sexism, um, homophobia, or um, gender, religious, like where he was treated unfairly due or her treated unfairly due to her gender, um, her um, like, I would come to her defense if she asked me to. I would come to her defense if I felt like she was being treated unfairly and she couldn't handle herself. She needs this, my support. Um, I would come to her defense if I felt like she was being attacked mercifully, mercifully. But um, if my friend 
was defending himself and someone dismissed my friend's claim about what was done to them randomly, unprovoked, unasked, unrequested. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Like that, then you should have just sat there and ate your food. I think those are two different things. Like, um, nobody asked Pierce Morgan. He was on his show. Um, he gave his opinion about it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we do. You know, you get paid for your opinion about it. But even when you're out doing your opinion, like even things on my show, like it could come off some certain way. And if someone messages me and tells me, hey, you sound A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I'm going to be like, girl, fuck you and go about my motherfucking business. If someone came up to me and said that was racist or homophobic or something like that, I could lose my position. Does it make any sense? Like, those are two different things. So the reason why he is under such fire is because the things he said were wrong, Sharon. So coming to his defense, he is wrong. Like, first of all, Meghan Markle, she never came out and said that she never used the R word. She, if anything, she held back the claim. She was very, um, she held it close to the, she, she pulled back all the punches, which annoyed me. Um, I'm like, girl, just say that. If, if them hoes told you, um, Hey nigga, you know, pass the, 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 the broth, you know, like just say that. Like if they told you that your, your baby nappy headed baby, baby can't stay here, say that. But she never did. Like she never said that she implied everything. Um, she only told what she could recall. She spoke highly of the queen, even, um, Kate Middleton's messy ass. Like she spoke highly of them, but she was telling what happened to her, her recollection, recollection of it. She never put any claims on anyone regarding the situation. So for you to come out of your face and turn around and make it seem like she was exaggerating her racism or her experience with racism when she never even used the term racism, she was telling you what happened to her. And then as a white man, how the fuck could you tell somebody how they were exaggerating their deals with racism? You know, I think a lot of white people feel like because they didn't burn a cross in your fucking front yard or, you know, call you the N-word, that your experience of racism should be tolerated. Your experiences with maybe she just didn't like her or this, that, and the third or blah, 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 blah. That's cool, but there's a lot of bitches that you motherfuckers don't like and y'all play the game with them. White people can work together and have a whole in-law that they don't like and be none the wiser. If that in-law is darker, if that in-law is um, gay, if that in-law is uh, of another uh, religion or anything like that, y'all do come unglued. Y'all become very passive aggressive. Y'all become very slanderous. Y'all be treat. Y'all do treat people fairly, and not just white people. That's people in general. Black families do it too. You know what I mean? Like if you have, you bring a white girl to the function. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same kind of concept. It's all wrong. So, bitch, Sharon, when you come up and just out of nowhere, no one asked Pierce and nobody asked you. The difference was... 
Pierce was on his platform like I commonly do. Nobody asks me. No, I'm not going to make no mistakes, bitch. If somebody tweeted me or said it, you're right, bitch. You didn't ask me. I'm just telling you my motherfucking opinion about it. But if you tweet and you come, so you are in this, you just, you are in the mess with me. You are in the mess with him. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you are in the mess. So instead of throwing your, your tweet out there and then coming on the show crying and not understanding why you got involved in it, because bitch, it is racist. So now y'all are racist. If that makes any sense, you we, birds of a feather. Like, that's what happens. If I got in trouble for something on my show and my friend came to my defense, one, I'm going to be like, bitch, stay out of it. You know, I'm not going to even front with you. Like, if I said something on the show and the girls started dragging me on Twitter and my friends tried to come to my defense, bitch, just call me. Like, don't, don't do that bullshit on Twitter. I don't like that shit. That's weird to me. Um, you know, like... That's different, you know what I mean? Especially in such a public setting. Maybe on a Facebook post with some friends from high school or some shit like that. Let's get these bitches, you know what I mean? But in such a pl- public platform where millions of people... And in and, and reality, I put myself out here every week. And, and I don't know what people are going to accept or what people are going to take from my um, commentary on things it just is what it is you know what I'm saying like so I don't expect every week for it to go well um I expect every week actually for it to be some mess and it never does and people tend to agree with me and I think that that's like but I'm also not a racist so I don't know girl Sharon you should have sat Sharon you should have sat there and just ate your motherfucking lunch and your food and um called Pierce, sent him some roses, um, got him a job somewhere before um all of it came done, you know, like white people do, and kept your motherfucking mouth shut. Now you got Cheryl Underwood looking at you crazy. You know, it's a mess. And all because of Oprah. Or were you silent or were you silenced? And for the record, no, I, what I mean is no, I'm not going to rush to my friend's defense if people think that he's racist, if he made a racist comment, or I'm not going to come to my homegirl's defense if she said something sexist and people are accusing her of sexism. What I will do is talk to her in the background, like a real friend should and be like, girl, like, what the fuck was that? Like, no, ma'am, honey, you know, this is what you're going to do. This is what we're going to do from here on out. Like, but no more of that. Like, we cannot do that again. We can't afford it, girl. Like, no. But that's what she should have did with Pierce. Should have sat up there and shut her mouth. And though she wouldn't have had um, so much backlash. And she, shit, bitch, shut your mouth. Stop rushing to try to come to your friend. Stop trying to clout chase and come for your friend's defense. Everybody and on some Twitter beef. Girl, shut the fuck up. You know, call her. Call call Pierce and be like, girl, what the fuck is going on? You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a little belchy from the San Pellegrino. I, I, I love um, recording um, nights when I'm recording the show. I drink San Pellegrino, which is the opposite of what I drink when I'm recording, like music. But I always used to get it in the glass. Um, I would pour it in the glass on the rocks. It would taste so much 
weirder than in a plastic bottle but i'm a bougie bitch so i always just kept getting the glass bottles but the plastic bottles taste so much better and i'm like oh my gosh like anyway that has nothing to do with anything um let's move on to the second segment but before we do just in case um maybe you are at a thrift store you know they're playing this in the background at your local goodwill um you're like shopping honey you know your airpod falls off and you're like what is this angelic voice that i'm hearing and you know you're afraid to ask the the mean ass goodwill clerk you know what i'm saying like they always got fucking attitudes because they think you're broke because you're shopping in the goodwill but like honey i got an american express card bitch i'm just trying to find some good finds but also, I'm trying to find out who the fine, this fine-ass bitch is and her podcast. That is Carmine Davis, and he needs you to follow, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't waste my time. Don't waste yours. Um, and don't play yourself. After my month hiatus, we're coming back full force. Um, I'm giving y'all something that y'all can feel a lot more content, a lot more ways to view me. It's more work, but it's going to be all right, I guess. Y'all act like y'all want more. So I'm going to give y'all more, more, give me, give me more, give me more, give me, give me more, give me, give me more, give me more, give me, give me more, give me, give me more. Okay, anyway, why the fuck do y'all put up with me? Okay, so the second segment is the artist spotlight. One of my favorite segments. All of, I don't know, why do I keep saying that? All of them are my favorite segment, except the hot topic. I don't really like talking about people. I'm just really good at it. But the second segment is the artist spotlight, where I usually talk about an artist, a group, um, maybe even an album, a song, a concert series, um, a show that pertains to music, a concept. And this week, it's a concept. Now, most famously, I talked about my... um, My favorite one that I've done so far, since we're looking back, since we only have one more show left... My one of my first music spotlights, and that's when I compared the Alanis Morissette's album "Jagged Little Pill" to um, Scissor's "Control" album. And every time I'm, I have to pat myself on the back because every time I hear it, one back on it, or go back on the album, I still hear the the similarities, and I'm just like, "Damn, bitch, we did that!" Like, you know what I mean? Like. Ah, and so many people agreed, or they didn't realize that they did agree. Does it make any sense? And that's what this show is all about. Um, I'm a very off-kilter um, person. I think I'm very analytical. I'm a Capricorn. I think outside the box. And I'm not really, I'm a Sagittarius moon, so I'm not really afraid to express those weird thoughts, whether they um, land or not, because these are my thoughts. <laughs> and my Venus is in Aquarius, so... I don't know what that has to do with anything, but my ex will be able to tell you he's really into astrology and that's his favorite thing to say. Your Venus is in Aquarius, so that's why you do that. But, all right, I have a concept, an idea, if you will, and it's more like a spotlight, 
of course, because this is a spotlight moment. But I want to spotlight a segment in time. Take, go, back with, go back with me. Let's go back to the early 2000s when R&B was in a very hybrid place. Um, my ear was to the ground. I was very young, but my ear was very open to music that I shouldn't be listening to. I was never one of those kids that sat back and listened to Nickelodeon music or I wasn't listening to iCarly soundtracks or Kiki Palmer. I wasn't I wasn't into that that bullshit. I was listening to grown music and one of the albums that stuck out to me the most growing up that I felt like one of the artists besides Beyonce Britney Spears um was Beyonce. Growing up, Beyonce was everything to me. Um, junior high um, and high school, Beyonce was that girl for me. Um, it was Britney and Beyonce, Britney and Beyonce, Britney and Beyonce, Britney and Beyonce. And mostly because I had a love for her Destiny's Child days. My favorite Beyonce is Destiny's Child, Beyonce, and B-Day Beyonce. And... I think we talk a lot about when we think of Destiny's Child, we talk about Destiny's Fulfilled as about we, I mean the girls, the gay girls. We talk about Destiny's Fulfilled album a lot. And we talk about Survivor being those moments. But I think we never really talk about the writings on the wall as much as we should. Um, album by as far as albums is concerned, I think the writing on the writings on the wall for Destiny's Child, an R and B period was released at such a interesting time. Candy had the pen. TLC was going through their fan mail era. Music R and B had was going into a futuristic techno kind of sound. Um, there were a lot more. Um, playing, there was more playing of the um, samples, um, Afrocentric meets um, uh, live instrumentation, futuristic sounds, uh, um, take um, Bugaboom. And slowly but surely, you would be able to hear those exact sounds from artists like Destiny's Child be replicated immediately to pop artists like Britney Spears and NSYNC. And what I think, when I think of Destiny's child i think about the writings on the wall um as being their more most prolific album and to me their most interesting album as far as sounds um content uh subject matter um sonically i feel like that album was completely out of this world and we miss it a lot um we miss it on when we discuss destiny's child we talk about Survivor because it was their blockbuster album, um, the album that kind of made them into superstars, I guess. Um, but 
the writings on the wall talked about some ghetto shit in such a glossy, um, interesting way. And I think about Say My Name a lot when I think about um, Destiny's Child, the writings on those wall, uh, writings on the wall, and how it introduced a different type of singing, rapping that has never been done. I want to say that is to me the reason why, okay, the reason why to me that album and that Beyonce was so interesting to me because everything that they were doing had really never been done before by a group. To me, Destiny's, the Destiny's Child. The Writings on the Wall album, there's never been an album like it, and there was never an album after that like it by a group, especially a female R&B group. There's nothing like it. It was completely off the wall. What is up with this? Tell the truth. Will you win? How would you like it if I came over with my click? Don't try to change it now. She was, it was rapping, but normally when people rap, Sing, it's more like a da 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 bum ba ba. She sang, and now when we look back and when we listen to music, you're like, yeah, people do that all the time now with Ariana Grande or Ari Lennox or um, a lot of people do it now, but beforehand that was not a thing. So to me, that alone makes this album the best album, honestly, of Destiny's Child. And I will say top three Beyonce albums. First of all, let me say, I am not the one to sit around and be played. Come on, nobody was doing that. That staccato, choppy um, sound. I know you said another na 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 do do something on down da 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 no matter how you do do it was so fast it was so on point go back nobody was singing like that on hip hop tracks the subject matter it was an interesting song say my name the idea like. It's interesting. <laughs> Nobody ever, who would come up with that concept? If you ain't running games, say my name. It's so ghetto, but it's still so interesting. Does it make any sense? Like that concept of, okay, then if you by yourself, say my name. Say my name. Say my name. The idea of the song is old hat, but the way it was executed, the way it was produced, the sub, the song, the, the writing had never been done before. And it completely changed the way we did R&B hip hop songs. The fact that you could sit on an R&B hip hop song and kind of rap and sing at the same time in the same way that Twister could. But again, but it's not going to get a Like it was never done before. Does it, y'all know what I'm trying to say? I feel like we never talk about that. 
And that's something that's, to me, odd. <laughs> we, we talk about Beyonce and what she's done as a solo artist or what we talk about the group. And, but we never talk about what they invented. We talk about independent women and Survivor and the drama in the group. But we never really talk about the things that they brought in history as far as production or writing or concepts um temptation the fact that they wrote some real hood shit um some real ghetto bangy um shit but made it so relatable and so glossy and made the the pop the 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 instrumentation was lush um production was um held by of course missy elliott was on the tracks um candy uh shakespeare i think um who else was on it beyonce did a lot of producing um and all the girls wrote and arranged and produced this album um daryl simmons chris stokes of candy i already said um um we talked about shakespeare and rodney jerkins of course um but it was released July the 27th, 1999. So picture that. Let's go back. Imagine you are a teenager, young adult in 1999. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was such a amazing album. It was the last album with the original lineup. And it took them three months to record it. The album went on to... Um, get six Grammy nomination for best R&B performance by a duo or a group with vocals twice. Best R&B song twice. So not only did they, were they nominated, um, they were nominated twice in both categories, record of the year and song of the year. The writing on the wall was certified eight times platinum by the RIA on November the 6th, 2001. So it took them three years to go eight times platinum. And sold over 6 million copies in the United States alone. Billboard magazine ranked the writings on the wall at number 39 on the magazine's top 200 albums of the decade. By 2002, um, the writings on the wall had sold 13 million copies worldwide. Um, but there was no, there's no talk about the legacy from the album. Um, I, I think it's insane how people never discuss how interesting the production was how so forward thinking and how it's such a capsule still at the same time for sounds um i when i think of destiny's child i think about people think about survivor but i think about the writings on the wall because production like again this was something that was never done listen to say my name and listen to music prior Listen to that arrangement. Listen to the way it's sung. Listen to the way it is spat. Like, it's a rap song. They all wrote on it. Beyonce came up with that. Let's start right there. I, I'm one of those people who slander Beyonce as a songwriter. I feel like she steals. We all know she does. But this is proof... That Beyonce, this is what Beyonce's sound is. This is her to me when I think of Say My Name, I feel like this is a Beyonce song. Hip hop, rock, I mean not hip hop, 
a hip hop um, with an R&B vocal arrangement. She was rapping on these songs. I mean, she would rap, sing on these songs, but she sung them. And only a way a girl who grew up with TLC and Mariah Carey as their influences could. Does that make any sense? That's why this song and this album is so important to me. Because this is, I feel like this is Beyonce's magnum opus. Like, this is her contribution to music. Of course, she did some really great things afterwards, but none of them is forward and envelope pushing as the writings on the wall. I feel like this is a true um, statement of who she was, especially at that time, um, a reflection of what the girls thought, how they view things. Um, temptation, with songs like Temptation, Bills, 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 um, Where'd you go? Uh, hey, ladies. Hey, ladies. Why is it that men can just do us wrong? That is a decided to keep holding on. That men may seem to just have the strength to lead. But he's got to go. My man's been cheating on me. Listen to that. Right? Like, my man's been boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 She was, and then she was on that shit. Like, Beyonce was riding, my man's been cheating on me. Like, that's, that's, that's her gift. Jumping, jumping. These are songs, like, there was, this was an album written by a girl who grew up to escape. You know what I'm saying? Like, who knew this music, who played this music and also listened to Sade or who grew up listening to a little bit of uh, Houston. T like they were um, um, Pimp C and Bumby and they grew up listening to rap and then people flow on beats. But they also listened to Whitney Houston and singers and she combined the two and they made an album that is timeless that really changed the way I sing, the way other people sing that came after. It changed the style. It changed everything. And we don't talk about it enough. Say My Name really changed the game. Like you could be a singer and get on these hip-hop beats. And scat, you don't have to Mary J. Blige sing through it. You don't have to Mariah Carey sing it through it. You can get on with these niggas. Like, you know what I mean? And that's well, forward, fast forward to now, her latest release with Jay-Z. Like, that's no wonder why it's nothing for her to be with the Carters, the whole Carters concept, and rap on these songs because she's been doing it the whole time. It's just more, like, less rapping, more singing. I mean, more less singing, more rapping. Let's talk. I mean, like, tweet me. Tweet me at Carmine Davis, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis, Carmine Davis show on Instagram. Let me know what you think, because I truly feel in my heart of hearts that Beyonce gets a lot of um, praise for a lot of things that she really didn't originate. And she never really gets the praise for what she has done that is stellar that we low-key don't give her her tens for and ushering in 
this staccato singing rapping style that she did all through the uh, the writings on the wall and ever since then um is one of them i feel like she really did build a bridge between what the girls were wanting to do and trying to do and what the other girls were doing if that makes any sense like in the 90s the girls were either singing or they were rapping does that make any sense like they couldn't sing she could do both and we never really talk about it like we never talk about it. So to me, it's no shocking, it's no shock that Beyonce has a flow. Because that's what she did. She just dropped the singing and brought up the rapping. And sometimes she drops the rapping and brings up the singing. Let me know what y'all think. That's my concept. I think we need to bring the writings on the wall up a little bit more in the discussion of Beyonce and her legacy. Um, she wrote the shit out of that album with Candy um, and all the other girls from the group at the time. This is the album that is actually keeping Latoya and Latavia fed. Like, let's keep it real. And even fair, apparently, you know, she said, child, she sung on Say My Name. Y'all saw it. So if anything, shit, this was these girls' meal tickets. So moving on. Okay, so the last... <laughs> Okay, so the last segment is our love, relationship, and sex segment. Um, and we're talking about something that <laughs> I've been guilty of in the past. But before we do, just in case you um, are waiting on your to-go at Fellini's and you went to go take a shit while you're waiting for your, you know, meat lover's pizza, they're playing me on the... Um, speaker you're like who is this silky smooth seductor it's me bitch it's carmine davis this is the carmine davis show and you need to follow subscribe like review and rate this show get your ass up Let's do it. Become a member of the family. Stop playing. Just in case, and then just in case you have been listening to this whole show the whole time and you have not mashed that bell, you have not mashed that subscribe button, you have not gotten the notifications for this show, and you are fucking playing, stop. Stop. Okay? Anyway, Something that I'm guilty of that I do um, or I have done in the past is I'm kind of not the nicest on dating apps. <laughs> Let me explain. Okay. This one is from Cosmopolitan.com. Um, and it says, um, I think COVID-19 is turning me into a monster on dating apps. Apparently, all my pent-up rage is going toward hinge matches i know i can't be the only one who's been in a bad mood the past 11 months living alone in a shoebox apartment during a pandemic has meant that my social life equals gilmore girl marathons and awkward zoom birthday parties in quotes i've barely seen the sun this year let alone other human beings this plus the cascading terror of the news and feeling real a real need to be in an emotional support for all my friends and family who are feeling just as garbage as i am has made me a 
little ragey and I realized that I think I'm taking it out on my online dating app matches. The other day I matched with a man whose first message to me was cute smile, but are you adventurous question mark? And I took that personally. What I heard when I read that message was, well, miss, your application looks great, but we'll need to see how you do out in the field before we take you into the next step. It felt like this guy who had not only liked my profile first, but also initiated a conversation first, was treating me like I was chasing him down. In response, I wrote, why? Is there a prize? Him. You can say that. We can't be friends if you're not. Me, so just be clear, you are the prize here, question mark. I took a screenshot of my message and shot it off to my friends so she could praise my dazzling wit. But imagine my face when she told me I sounded aggressive. She pointed out that I was the harsh one and that maybe this guy's message wasn't so much a case of dickishness as it was odd phrasing and poorly executed banter. When I really sat down to think about it, I realized I'd been responding like this to a lot of guys (laughs) like this one who wanted to change my mind about Ari and Rand lol or the one who asked for a performance review of our conversation marriage and relationship therapist Shadeen Francis LMFT says it's kind of normal given these times we need right ways to express how we feel that we don't often have a lot of permission for and we want to be treated like our feelings matter and sometimes the way that we go about going through this is having harmful impact verbally throat punching strange men on the internet for example it's most likely because i haven't been able to find a productive outlet for all my pent-up rage i feel bad unloading on friends who are buried under mountains of their own emotional baggage my cat certainly doesn't deserve it and while i do occasionally go off on social media it runs the risk of alienating family and potential employers so i think without realizing it I've started to direct my anger to the forever enemy, single men. Francis describes his anger as the feeling that lets you know that a boundary has been crossed. She explains that this doesn't have to be just one major thing. Like when Tinder guy reveals he has a wife and three kids living upstate or something. It could be a series of minor and major stresses that build up like a pandemic on top of a dome scroll of on top of a fight with your mom on top of this one freaking guy holding a fish on the dumb app who wants to know how I am. The digital space can be comfortable outlet for all the anger, all this anger in no small part because you don't have to look to anyone's face when you angrily type not well, bitch. So to have conversations that, you know, further contribute to the sense of strain or discomfort or irritability, A dating app is an easy space to release the anger, Francis says. However, they're getting energy that didn't come from this conversation. And that's not really fair to anyone. So if you're all like, hey, hi, hello, this is me. Here's where we should send all the anger without taking it out on Joe 28 from Seattle. One, just be angry for a second because you need to send that energy somewhere. And if that means you need to flip off your phone screen, make a burn book or just stew, go for it. Francis says, even if it's not the most graceful or generous, if that's what you've got to start with, start with where you are. 
to indulge in something physically pleasant, like playing your favorite song and pausing for a dance break, indulging in a fried chicken sammy or whatever your comfort food is, and maybe even good old fashioned cussing, just as long as you're not targeting another person. It can be a good release, she confirms. So, okay, taking a step back, I can see how now how the phrasing by Mr. Adventurous Guy was maybe just a sign he's not so great at flirting. And I probably could have handled it a little bit better. But even though it doesn't look like it's love match between us, I've since decided to update my profile to include some fair warning like I respond badly to messages that sound condescending to me and they will probably get screenshotted. Hopefully this way I won't feel the need to go from zero to cash me outside. How about it? In like two seconds, just because a match hit me with a, I see you're a writer. Actually, I do some writing myself. Well, hey, it's at least a start. Okay, my own story. I have been um, a dating app troll for some years. My close friend Sinclair can attest to this. Um, it was bad. When I moved to Atlanta, I went through this phase. I, I wouldn't call myself an ugly duckling, but I really grew into my looks and I'm still growing, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like every day I'm like, oh, damn, we are getting fine. Like why? But I really didn't understand, <laughs> this is going to sound horrible, but this slew of these ugly ass old men writing me. And it wasn't just the fact that they were ugly and old. They were ugly, old, and aggressive, and abrasive, and disgusting. I mean, these motherfuckers were trash. Like, I mean, okay, I'm in Sephora, you know, minding my business and perimeter mall, and I get a message from some guy on Jacked, and his asshole is wide open, saying, come put your big black cock in me. So I'm like, all right, well, you know... Can I get a face pic before I climb in? You know, like, and then this motherfucker looks like fucking Freddy Krueger and in a John Deere hat. So I'm like, hell no. Like, so at first I ignore it. You know what I mean? Like I try to ignore it. And then they would write me back a bunch of question marks. And I'm like, and if you know me, I'm, I'm a very honest person and I'm very inquisitive. So I would ask a genuine question and would be like, well, what did you think I would respond to? Like, why would you think I would respond to you? What would you think I would say? Did you look at my profile? Did you look at my pictures and think that I would be like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I even got to the point where I would ask them if they, if because it was so mean. I'm like, are you generous? You know, Jen, question mark. Like, because you got to be paying to think that I would ever slide my good shit inside of that weird shit like you had to think you had to be coming off some bands or something like that like you just and then how no hey no how are you they were giving me a rich nigga conversation you know what i'm saying and i i was at that point also where i was coming up i was doing my own thing you know trying to make a living and trying to live the glamorous life I don't have time just to be with especially with some ugly man who I mean I'm trying to bust it open in a trailer park so I I was like tearing them down like I'm sure there is a small large collection of men in the Atlanta area who 
are ready to unsight my ass for how crude I was on a dating app for years. Even recently, during the Black Lives Matter movement, um, after like marching and then dealing with all the stuff on TV, I didn't understand why white men were writing me. Like, I was like, what the fuck are you doing writing me? So I would ignore them. But when they would come at me like, I want that nigger cock or I want that big black cock in this white hole. I'm like, are you motherfucking kidding me? And I went on this long back and forth trolling this one white guy. And he actually charmed the shit out of me. And he helped me release my anger in a kinky way. But in a very sweet way where I was going through giving it to him. I mean, I mean, like giving it to him. And he had such a great response to everything. And that's when I realized that, you know, I'm a hard ass for no reason when all these men just want to fuck and go. You know, I. <laughs> They want to fuck and they want to fuck me. And then I realized, why wouldn't they? I was like, why the fuck would you think that you would, I, you would, you were going to fuck me? And then I thought about it and I'm like, why wouldn't they want to fuck me? And that's when I released my anger after I had blocked him. And... That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And still to this day, don't write me, white man. I'm not there yet. Um, you can call it racist. You can call it whatever you want. I'm just not there. Sorry, I'm not. Um, it's a preference right now, more like a self protection after everything. Um, I'm not there. Call it what you want. Um, and that's my show. Thank you for listening. Oh my God. Next week is the last episode. Oh my God, y'all. I'm not ready. I am not ready, but I am ready for this hiatus because this show does take a lot more than what you would think. It might sound like I'm talking nonsense through the whole process, but it takes a lot of time and effort to sound like I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about for an hour. And, you know, I'm going to miss it for a little while, but I got shit to do. Um, I got a project to drop and I'm so, I'm so nervous, but we're going to do it. Um, I love y'all. I will see y'all later. See y'all next week. God bless y'all. Thank you as usual for your continued support. Bye, child.